Awakening the power of the grasshopper, a new hero rides into town on his bike. It's Shin Common Rider. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. movie has a lot of kicks, so it lives up to its Shin name, unlike the other two movies. <laughs> that it does, Alec. That it does. That's the thoughtful commentary you get here. That, that's the thoughtful commentary you've come to expect here at the Monsters vs. Men <laughs> podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies with some witty commentary. Mm-hmm. This week, <laughs> as we try to stay alive, we are discussing... Shin Kamen Rider, um, the only Shin movie that lives up to its name. Yes. Yep. The one and only. <laughs> unlike those other ones. Uh, before we begin, Alex, I, I'm curious, um, and this will this will kind of preface our discussion here. How familiar are you with Kamen Rider as a franchise? Because I've got to tell you, compared to Godzilla and even Ultraman, my Shin Rider knowledge is very limited shin rider um did i call it shin rider you did. common rider <laughs> I, I common rider yeah uh it's still pretty limited i've watched the bulk of the original series and mm-hmm. the bulk of a heisei series i haven't finished <laughs> either one um but totally i kind of see what's there um i haven't seen anything that's newer but those don't seem from what i've seen uh most of them don't seem to have totally anything really to do (laughs) with with the heisei and showa series well i'm curious Um, yeah i'm curious like the heisei and the showa series do they have similar through lines Mm -hmm. like that you've seen are they pretty different in themselves they're 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 very violent um Mm. Which is uh, one of the biggest things I noticed first uh, with Common Rider. Spe- I mean, you you see it for sure in the original Showa series. Um, oh, people, the violence! Yeah, the violence. But oh, the Heisei, like, like dozens of people will get killed. Like this mm. isn't like Ultraman where you don't really see that stuff happen. Hmm. Like boatloads of people will get killed by a monster. Interesting. Interesting. And like literally some episodes boatloads of people. <laughs> it's not me- <laughs> it's not meant to be which what's the Heisei series you've seen? Is it Common Rider Black? Uh no, just uh Common Rider Kuga. 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 You recommend? Yeah, I think it's a really good starting point. It's got some weird music stuff going on because of the, the just the era. Um, and, and some of the frame rates are a little off. Sometimes it gets a little British frame rate going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do recommend it as just like a kind of a, a touchstone for mm-hmm. kind of getting a vibe for it. I mm-hmm. think the original series, I don't know if I want to recommend like watching all of it because it is like a hundred episodes. Um, That's a lot. But it's it's pretty cool to watch, especially yeah, when like you... some of them, yeah. When, 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 like, your entire understanding, kind of, of, like, a Showa-era tokusatsu TV show is Ultraman, mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. something like 
the original Kamen Rider is kind of a shock. Mm. Um, in a lot of ways, like when enemies die, I know in this movie they turn into foam, but they turn into pools of blood and then they they evaporate oh. to the ground. Um, there you go. So there, there's all kinds of like weird different things about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, my biggest gripe about the main series and it's why I haven't finished it is it just it always all the fights are in the same quarry. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> There's a remarkable lack of diversity in terms of like where to fight. (laughs) Well, let's jump into it then, Alex, and begin our formal discussion. I'm sure this will kind of lend itself uh, into what we have to say. Hmm. So first we had Shin Godzilla, then Shin Ultraman, now finally Shin Kamen Rider. When we reviewed Shin Ultraman, Alex, I remember comparing it to the essence of Shin Godzilla. While these two films were completely different from one another, we both agreed that they captured something of the essence of their original counterparts, Ultraman and Godzilla. But does Shin Kamen Rider do the same? You're hinting at it already. Now, Anno returns for this new and potentially final entry into the Shin series. And, of course, he brings with it his unique and definitely quirky style. But does that style capture the essence of common writer alex mm, i think the style certainly is common writer it it really captures the essence and shows that he has a pretty firm understanding of the series uh pretty thoroughly much more so than some of the previous films um that we've watched um i would say like uh when we watched uh, what was it common writer Zato and Jen. Zato and Jen. Yes, I, I think this is much more in line with what I've seen in the main series, especially the original, uh, especially the original, and even the like I said, Kuga. That that violence and the way they approach some of these scenarios is very kind of gruesome in a lot of ways. Even if it's not always explicit on the shows, sometimes it is. But here, uh, things are are over the top, but honestly, it, it feels like it's in line with it. And it's clear that this movie gets what Common Rider is in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And so the love for the series is very clear here, even if the film frequently stumbles. I think there is no doubt there is passion, but I have a lot of complaints about the film. Hmm. And I'll bring them up later, but Eric, this is one that yeah. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on, because... I saw this movie months ago. I rewatched yeah. it for the episode, obviously, but yeah. I've had time to think on it and kind of yeah. settle in my ways. So I am mm. really interested to hear where you are. <laughs> well, I'll be curious too to hear if the rewatch changed anything for mm. you. But I already mentioned I don't know much about Common Rider the series. Uh, I've seen a few episodes, I think, of that original series, and maybe a couple random scenes that have been showcased, you know, online that mm-hmm. that showed some pretty impressive TV toku action, but. Beyond that, my main exposure is Common Rider Zeto and Common Rider J, which we both enjoyed quite a bit, uh, and I, I really did enjoy those. And I have to say, Alex, this movie feels in line with my enjoyment with Zeto and J, uh, which might mean that it doesn't feel very Common Rider. It sounds like you are you're saying it does, which is awesome, um, though I, I I don't have a base of comparison, but. Right. What it does offer, what I think this film offers, is some pretty awesome and stylized Toku 2023 action. 
and set pieces and some interesting lore and timely themes and unexpected character development and demises. Though I don't mm. think we should be too surprised at these developments with Anno at the helm. But obviously, yes, the budget here is limited. But really, as I'm thinking about that, that limit on that budget, what else do we need here, really? I mean, I think the effects are just good enough to work at the same time aren't big time Hollywood which in this weird sort of way fits the aesthetic that Anno seems to be shooting for does that make sense to you Alex or you just think that the effects are terrible here <laughs> I, I think it makes sense in a way but there's elements here that cause problems for me mm-hmm. first off I think the effects here are significantly worse than our two other Shin movies um, the otherworldly nature of Ultraman, Shin Ultraman makes the maybe iffy at times effects of it actually work fine. It's, it doesn't, it's not really a problem until we have a giant actual human being uh, on screen in that movie. And then uh, Shin Godzilla looks phenomenal except for like a few weird textures on him uh, and certain close-ups. Honestly, it's nitpicking Shin Godzilla's mm-hmm. effects. This one here, I'm conflicted on. So, yeah, I guess I'm going into my big complaints about the film. Yeah, yeah, go <laughs> ahead and get into it. The budget is clearly limited, and at times, I appreciate the creativity being used because of that limited budget. Mm-hmm. You know, style. Anno uses the lack of this budget to enhance the style of certain action scenes in an interesting way. I think this really is shown in the wasp og fight where she is zooming around him and common rider is just jumping around like, like it's missing all the frames except for where he stops kind of to illustrate how fast everybody is moving, even, even uh common rider. And so she's zooming around. I think it's a really fun style choice. All the, all the colors, everything really is working in those moments. And I think those visuals really compensate for the effects. But then we get moments like the big finale in the tunnel. It is mm-hmm. almost incomprehensible. I could go, I could see more in the scenes that I watch at home. But, uh, these moments were more clear at the house than they were in the theater, <laughs> I will say, which enhanced my enjoyment of the scene a bit more. Yeah. But frankly, it is a complete mess. There's a cool moment where Kamen Rider, gra- uh, uh, he jumps off his bike, he grabs a, uh, one of the other grasshopper enemies uh, by the head with his feet, and he spins really fast and slings him into another motorcycle behind him. But it is done in a fraction of a second that you cannot even see. <laughs> mm. Not only can you not see it because it's short, but because it's so dark in these moments. It's really frustrating. And, and the, that really kind of leads me to some of the other issues here. Which is the choreography is terrible. The editing is chaotic, but... Not in the way that Ultraman and especially Shin Godzilla use, where it's a, it's it's saying something with its chaotic editing. No, this isn't edited in a way to hide 
that no one in this movie is particularly talented at fighting. <laughs> Unless they are some sort of CGI representation of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we get a clear view of them fighting. Again, I'm not talking about some of these stylistic shots that do happen during the action, because there are some really cool ones that are happening during these fight scenes, like uh, from point of view to an odd camera sitting somewhere. Um, No, there's but there's these moments in between those cool shots that they're filler, honestly. And they're so scattered that you're not giving me the feeling of like, Oh, wow, this is an intense battle. No, you're giving me Bourne 3. <laughs> One of the Bourne movies, 2 or 3, where it just doesn't make sense. Like, you're just hiding something at this point. And it, it, it becomes a little frustrating, and I'm scratching my head about, like, why are we doing this when even the original series had better choreography than most of the stuff that's happening in here? The only time that that editing is slowed down is in a, in a way that also makes narrative sense, I guess. Where they're wrestling each other, right? They're exhausted at the end of the film. So the, the editing is kind of exhausted as well. Um, I understand that choice. But I don't, I don't think the rapid editing is honestly just something that works and I don't know if it also is intended to mean anything a lot of the time. Um, now, there's a couple moments. There's another moment where they smartly stop the the rush editing. And it's when Hongo stops both Wasp Og and her little assistant from hitting hitting him with their swords. But again, this is another moment where it doesn't quite make You okay? Um, but this is another moment where just not, they're not, no one's moving fast. And so the camera can just sit still. There's no big choreography. There's nothing to be hidden in this moment. And it just showcases the power of, of Hongo. I, it all gets a little frustrating on top of another element. Again, I I don't want to dogpile this, but I do want to get it all out of the way. I feel like the story is just so rushed, especially the first like 40 minutes or so. I, I, I appreciate the brevity of the setup and just bringing us into this world. I actually really like that element. Oh, hang on. I just like that they're bringing us into this world. And it, it's a... It's a pretty fun and kind of memorable setup, you know. The, the cabin blows up. the 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 father dies. It's it, it's very exciting, and then all the blood as well, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's incredibly violent in the first fifteen minutes of this movie. Now, it slows down significantly after those fifteen minutes, unfortunately unfor- un- or unfortunately, depending on what you're wanting to get out of the story of this. And I might talk about that again later. But I don't understand why everything's so rushed. Because we need to check boxes that uh, seems like a lot of common Rider series may have. And I might be speaking out of terms since I've only seen two. But having Spider-Og and Bat-Og, who are also known as Spider-Man and Batman in a lot of these series. Uh, mm-hmm. like, Do we just check a box for them? Uh, because we just wanted to hit them real quick and get them out of the way? Because... 
I don't think they really have anything to say in the film. I don't feel like they have any sort of purpose. So I don't know if we're just doing these things because they're staples. And honestly, I don't think the film is that great for the most part until maybe the wasp fight. Like, that fight is great. It's visually very Kill Bill. <laughs> like, I really mm-hmm. love the look of that. Mm-hmm. But right before that, we have a scorpion og who has a weird sequence where she gets killed off screen uh, by a bunch of grunts, like the SWAT team. It just feels kind of lazy, honestly. The, the, the first, first 40 mo- moments of the moments, the first 40 minutes of this film, it's like, yeah, we got some things we want to do. We don't really want to explain some of these things. So let's just go ahead and get it all knocked out of the way. And then we'll get to like the real story here. Mm. And so I just, I, I wish the film had really started its real story earlier. And that the solution to every problem in the film doesn't come so easily even when like there's a great sacrifice it's a little easy it feels like yeah yeah i mean you're touching on probably my main criticism of the film which is that i can't quite follow all of it especially at the beginning (laughs) i just get a little lost in the lore and i need to read up a bit more about it honestly (laughs) to understand everything that's going on with shocker and prana and the augmented human beings Uh, with that said though that didn't stop me from getting the gist and, and from following along with some of the thematic through lines, which, again, knowing Anno, they're complex and they feature this interplay mm-hmm. between hope and nihilism. I, I mean, I think you're right to an extent. Like, this is very fast. Maybe they're throwing in a couple of augs here that are, are fan service sort of augs, maybe. I didn't know because like, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it was like kind of like that spider guy in Common Rider zato you know mm-hmm. um and so there's this, a couple of touchstones you're like oh yeah i mean i think i've heard of that but it didn't affect my view because i wasn't familiar with the series right mm-hmm. um i was like oh these are just the starters you know this is going to be kind of episodic in that way where we're going to face one og at a time um yeah i mean the scorpion og being kind of taken down by the agents it just shows you like the agents here um have a little bit of power, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and Shocker is not all-powerful, right? They, they do have this force fighting against them. But getting back to Anno and, and this interplay between hope and nihilism, I think that Anno's ultimate message here is a hopeful one, <laughs> which mm. hopefully you can appreciate. Um, and I think we actually saw that with the Evangelion Rebuild series. Yes. Um, the end of that, was much more hopeful than the Evangelion series of Anna's uh, more youthful outlook, right? <laughs> um, but I also really like this idea of Shocker being this entity that is trying to find different ways to achieve perfect happiness for humans. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, and it reminds me of this book I, I read pretty recently by, by author Paul Kingsnorth called Alexandria, in which there's this artificial intelligence mind that's trying to bring everyone into itself by ridding them of their bodies and just absorbing their souls or their consciousness, mm. um, in this case, their prana, into its everlasting life, right? So the only people that survived are like this basically indigenous group that has like is post-apocalyptic. So it's like after the world has kind of crumbled. Most people have decided to upload their consciousness and all that survives is this indigenous group. 
there's some similar vibes here, right? That's kind of what um, uh, Shocker is is trying to do, but in, in just slightly different ways. But the reality is, is that the body and not just prana um, is essential in this movie, along with mask and along with physical death. There's honestly a lot of commentary, spiritual commentary in this movie here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm here for it. I, I thought there's a, there's a lot to chew on. Yeah. There, there, I like a lot of these elements as well. And Japan is no <laughs> Japanese media, I guess is no stranger to this project that they're working on. You know, even Galleon had the human instrumentality project, right? It's mm-hmm. the exact same thing as this. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, anyway, like a Naruto, the, eventually they go this way. Sometimes, uh, this is a very common theme in Japanese media. And I, 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 I like these elements and I, I like a lot of what the themes that you want to hit on. I just don't know. I don't know how committed it is to some of them. There are things like that I think elevate the film, other that thematically may make some of the themes work, like like Hongo, and in particular, uh, the actor playing Hongo, uh, Sosuke Ikamatsu. I, I mm-hmm. feel like he carries a lot of this film and he drives oh, yeah. it forward. I mean, yeah. I'm glad that most of the majority of the performances in the in this film are done because it does alleviate some of the issues and moments of not feeling earned. Like, I didn't buy the Hongo-Ruriko relationship. Hmm. I really didn't. Like, I, I, I didn't buy that he would cry like that. But... His performance is done so well. It's he does it. Yeah. It's perfect that yeah. I buy into it. Actually, well, I buy into it, man. I mean, if you think about, it, I mean, his performance is great, but I do buy into it because ultimately, like, you see him struggling at the beginning with the consequences of his own actions. So, uh, I mean, I think there's there's a precedence there for him having this consciousness that. It kind of haunts him. So I, I see him clinging onto her maybe more than she ever cared about him, which is, yeah, mm-hmm. seems to be the case. Yeah, I would say you're probably right about that. But that that moment where he watches her video and then he's like crying in his helmet, he mm-hmm. takes it off. Like, it's mm-hmm. so good. I really liked that moment. And then there's other elements that I like as well that kind of lead into some of the themes. Is that These action scenes, uh, they're... A lot of them early on are pretty bloody. Um, and I like a lot of the creativity that's actually involved in them. I, just, I don't know how well it's executed. But I really like the killing of the bat, right? Where he's like, you can only jump this high. And he's like, well, I have a rocket bike. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kicks him into the ground and puts his foot through him. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's really cool, and we linger on the blood there. But I don't feel like that buildup of his guilt killing. I don't think it actually ever pays off, in my mm. opinion. I feel like it's just put to the side, <laughs> and we just never revisit it again. And it's a little disappointing because I really like the idea of the hero 
not having complete control and actually just having to kill, but also not be okay with what he's doing. Yeah. Right. And we just ditched the theme that honestly I was the most interested in for me. Hmm. Hmm. And so it, it, that was a bit of a blow. And I'm sure it is somehow tied into this relationship he has with his dad and yeah, I, his willingness to like give up his life for a stranger. Mm-hmm. And th- mm-hmm. th- that's how the film ends, really, right? Yeah. He gives up his life for the stranger. But yeah. I-, I feel like its themes are a bit of a mess. Some of them stick around or and have interesting things to say. But then like the violence one, I feel like, is left behind. Mm. I think it's left behind to an extent. Um, I, I see what you're saying. I, no, I, I definitely do. But I, I think the entire idea of he at the end, he's not aiming to he's more human, right? He's mm-hmm. he's become more human than Og, I guess. Yes. This is what you would say, right? Um and he's learning to embrace his humanity more and more and more. Um, so that at the end he's not actually going there to get revenge. Right. right? Yeah. Uh he so, even says that, right? He even he says, says on the beach, he's like, I'm not going for revenge. Yeah, I'm not going for revenge. Now, I wanted to touch real quick. The violence at the beginning, at first that was a turnoff for me. Because, I'm, I, again, I wasn't familiar with the violence that was that was in Common Rider. I was thinking more Ultraman. I was like, this is maybe extreme for Common Rider. But apparently this is regular for Common <laughs> Rider. So, okay, cool. Uh, uh, however... As the film progressed, I, I thought the violence was more and more justified because I think that bodily existence um, is an essential element of the film and that violence is an overtop way of exerting that physical form, right? There's that, that conflict kind of between prana and the body that is here throughout the, the film. So I think that violence actually plays a, a thematic role as well. Uh, I wanted to go back to one thing that you were saying earlier, too, about the climax of the film. I think some could criticize that climax, like the tunnel scene and then that fight at the end. Um, Yeah, it's a bit lame, like when they're fighting and kind of wrestling there. There's not great choreography. You're right. Um, These are actors and not fighters. Um, And there's that shaky cam when they're like kind of wrestling. It just doesn't work great at all. Um, but I, I think it fits the film. I think that's kind of where we might disagree a little bit. Um, is that overall what I see Anno doing in this film, it fits with this certain aesthetic that I think he's going for. Like, I think a lot of the things that you are criticizing are rightly so. I, I, I think. I agree with most of those criticisms. I just think they're more, uh, it has to do more with my taste versus uh, what Anno is trying to do. Like, I think Anno is fulfilling his purpose and like his intention by doing some of these things that are actually off putting to us. Hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean to get so to get back and and I'll, that'll go into my final thoughts. I think here in, in a few minutes, but I do want to touch on the ending of the film and the th- themes uh, that I was touching on uh, here at the top of my comments. Uh, I love that Hongo doesn't go in with that 
revenge in mind. Mm-hmm. Right? His goal is to redeem Ichiro in a sense and not gain any sort of revenge. Right. Uh, there's something pretty cool about that. Uh, he's he's really trying to Ruriko, I think is her name. He's trying to fulfill Ruriko's wishes, um, and we don't quite know what that entails until it happens. And I think that's a pretty cool reveal. Um, whenever her and her brother kind of have that reunion, others will also be disappointed at Hongo's fate. But I think Hongo's fate here is just a great opportunity to pass on that common rider title and build up the common rider lore as a new rider officially takes on the title, along with maybe a third or fourth common rider costume as well, which doesn't <laughs> which doesn't yeah. hurt. Right. Yeah, that new helmet was looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. Looking pretty hopeful, as it said at the end. <laughs> <laughs> See, but like that's actually something that I kind of find uh, endearing about this film is. I think sometimes it's overly sincere, right? And it's like it's like over the top, um, on the nose, and and right there, blatant for us, right? Like that mm. that ending scene where he talks about the mask. <laughs> You're like, this is almost cringe. Like if I was watching this with a normal lens, I would think this was cringe. Yeah. But if I'm watching it with the lens that I've I've actually seen enough Toku. Right, even though I'm not super familiar with with Common Rider, I've seen enough Toku that that doesn't feel cringe to me anymore. That feels right. completely natural in this style of show or movie, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It, it does. It, you you definitely as you get exposed more to it, you're <laughs> going to yeah. be a little more <laughs> lenient on these types of moments for sure. Exactly. I, I know I am a lot more yeah. than like if Cece saw it, she'd be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly uh well hey alex on mvm plus before we get into our awards on mvm plus we talked today about uh oppenheimer i mm-hmm. caught that uh and i give my review of oppenheimer we talk about uh some visits that were made to my place and i made a couple visits as well uh and then there was a brief announcement on on MVM Plus. Uh, I'll just do a brief version here, uh, and if you want the longer explanation, you can listen on MVM Plus. Uh, essentially, here in the next month or so, I'm going to be uh, less regular as a co-host on Monsters vs. Men. We've had 206 great episodes, all of them just absolutely fantastic, Alex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 206 fantastic <laughs> episodes of Monsters vs. Men. Um, and at this point, I am. I have a couple other pursuits that I am uh, professional pursuits. I would say that I'm leaning into. They're just going to take up a couple weeks of my, or a couple not weeks, a couple nights of my week for the next foreseeable free, future, really. Um, and so I won't be as regular as a co-host on the show. However, Alex has a plan. Uh, he's the man with a plan. And he's got several guest co-hosts lined up, including Cece and Michael Hamilton. Cece, his wife, and Michael Hamilton from uh, the revived Kaiju Weekly and, of course, Kaiju Ramen Magazine um, that can step in. And several other uh, friends as well that are going to step in uh, into this role. And I'm not going anywhere. I'll still be here uh, on the show as often as as I can, uh, as long as Alex has me. That is, uh, I'll still be here. (laughs) on the show but you can you can hear more about that 
on uh, the MVM Plus episode. If if you are a bargain based mite, uh, feel free to to listen in to that explanation. Um, but really, yeah, it's just new opportunities coming up, and I want to make the most of it uh, here for the next foreseeable future. But that's patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. All right. Awards, right. Alex. Yeah. Time for our awards. Let's do it. Compelling character award. Who you got? Um, I've got, uh, we'll see. I originally had Hongo, but you know, I was thinking about a character. I would have loved to hear a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say Dr. Midorikawa. So Rico's mm-hmm. dad, I guess yeah. in quotes, um, I guess uh, she had some of his DNA, so yeah, I guess dad works. Um, I, I like that we just jump into the film and that this man has turned on Shocker, and mm-hmm. I would love to see a little bit more of that. Like, what, what what was the thing that what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to see more of him because he clearly cares about Ruriko and. But I would like to see like what his relationship was, maybe a little more so with uh, what was it, Common Rider Number Zero? Uh, mm. What, what mm-hmm. was his name? I can't even remember. Ichiro, I think. Yes, Ichiro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'll choose his daughter Ruriko then, oh. uh, who is always prepared for any situation until she's not, of course. Uh, but Ruriko honestly has the most mystery around her at the beginning of the film she's probably the most complex character in that you're trying to figure out what her angle is uh, and she drives a portion of this movie uh, in the direction that it, it goes and really is the influence on Hongo um, becoming common Rider and kind of fulfilling his potential so Ruriko to me is a compelling character yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. She's very good. Eric, what about your most memorable line award? Uh, my line, I like this line a lot. There are actually several good lines in, in this movie, but uh, it's during that shaky cam wrestling scene <laughs> at the end. Uh, you know, Ichiro is full shocker trying to uh, basically create this world where only happiness exists, you know, And Hongo says, I want to change myself, not the world. And like, I think that that's it, right? Um, Like, that's what we can do is we can change ourselves, uh, not the world. And it's what we see Hongo do throughout Mm -hmm. the entire movie is change himself, not the world. He's, He's almost along for the ride in a sense. But all he's doing is focused on himself and, and his surroundings and, and trying to change that. And he's not focused on making this grand impact. He's a humble hero in the sense that he's not, he's not the grand, um, he's not super charismatic. Right. right. And he's not this Superman style character that can just come in and save the day he actually has to run away multiple times in this, right. in this movie and he's kind of made fun of for running away a couple of times uh, but that's the whole thing is he's changing himself he's, he's not afraid to look stupid uh, in order to make the, the right decision so I don't know there, there's a lot of, of cool stuff happening with him as the main hero here but I love that line I want to change myself not the world 
Yeah, and you could say like Hayato, our second common writer, who we've hardly talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say that he is more of the yeah. I would say revenge hero, right? Yeah, like his story yeah. is a little more revenge fueled. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say than not not necessarily in this movie, but his character feels like that would be his arc. <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, he's like the cool guy. You know, yes, right. He's the cool one uh, in a sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas, um, whereas our main common writer, uh, I feel like he is, like you said, he's just so like chill. You know, he's mm-hmm. a he's a second born child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as we said. Um, uh, so yeah, and then my line was actually going to be from uh, Bat Og. He says, too bad for you, Hopper Boy. I can fl- fly well beyond your jump range of 66.3 meters. You'll never <laughs> reach me. <laughs> it's just like he's not even done saying that line, and Hongo's already flying in the sky with his oh, yeah. motorcycle. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It's so cool. The cyclone is so cool. That's what it's called, awesome. right? Oh, the cyclone? yeah. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Um, what about your can't believe the acting award, Alex? Yeah, and we're actually going to give that to let's see, our our the guy who got my uh, best line award, same character. This is going to be Bat Og, whose actor I am struggling to find. Let's see, Toru Tezuka. I might, I might be. I think that's him. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, I th- while visually. I found this character disturbing, not necessarily because of the design, but because there's so much CGI going on. Yeah. It's like really off. <laughs> it's yeah. really off putting. I don't know. I still like the character, and I thought he was a little bit humorous. And I, I, I bought all of his because he's like the most emotive character in the entire movie. Oh yeah. And so it was kind of fun to have that, that character that just kind of goes against everything else in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. What about you? My can't believe the acting award. We already mentioned this acting because it's great. And it's Sasuke Ekamatsu as Hongo. Um, Common Rider One, I guess. Uh he's great. Like he carries uh the acting. Well not acting. I think honestly several performances are good here. But you're right, like he carries that emotional weight, that conflict. Not in the over-the-top way, but in, in actually more of a subtle way. The only reason you buy those crying scenes, as you said, um, it just you wouldn't buy it in any way, shape, or form if you didn't have a convincing actor. Um, and he certainly is convincing from being absolutely terrified of the things that he's done uh, to being devastated at losing a friend. Um, mm-hmm. He's there, uh, and he is bringing it. So I, I thought his performance was great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he was the most impressive for yeah. sure. Uh, what about your? Oh, that's a good shot award, Eric. So, kind of tying into that, it's it's a throwback for me, Alex. It's a sunrise <laughs> shot, and <sighs> it's a sunrise shot after Yuriko's death. Um, so you kind of got these like power lines, and you've got Hongo there in in the foreground, and then the sunrise <laughs> in the background, and it's just it's just a great moment. It's a pretty. A pretty uh, typical Ano moment. Uh, mm. So, I, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, 
Yeah. What about you? <laughs> I didn't even realize there was a sunrise shot until I, I saw you had written this, and I was yeah. like, I know exactly yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what he's talking about. Um, mine was the there, – there's two. I, I really like the hive moment where they're walking in the street and then everyone behind them stops. Mm, I think cool. it's really ominous and yeah, creepy, very cool. very cool. But there's a I, – I mentioned earlier the, the chaotic editing of a lot of the fight scenes and a lot of the action sequences to where it's like incomprehensible. But when the SWAT team is tackling – Scorpion Og is not one of those moments. Despite it being chaotic, since it's not a lot of hand-to-hand combat except for on her end, um, it's pretty clear. But there's a really cool shot where there's a, one of the SWAT team members, is he's fired all his bullets and he's emptying a clip and he drops the magazine and it hits the camera. Uh, and so the camera's low angle, obviously, underneath, uh, underneath the SWAT officer. And when it hits, it's really cool. I, it, it just looks cool because the camera moves when it gets hit. Just a very cool, stylish shot in the, in this. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. Those are good choices. Uh, unique award, Alex. Uh, I think we've got the same unique award. And it's the best AUG mm. award. My best AUG are my favorite AUG. You already mentioned them. I like them. <laughs> Bat AUG. Uh, <laughs> because he brought that comedic relief. And I thought his design was... Yeah, it was disturbing. Yeah, part of it was that CGI, but like it was, he was disturbing to look at. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> something yeah. is off here. Maybe it was the CGI. Um, but no, I, I like the bat og quite a bit. Mm, yes. What about you? Yes, yes, yes. So mine is actually, it's weird. So mine's both my worst og and my best og. Mm. So this, he's worse because I think his outfit and his helmet are kind of terrible. I think they're oversized. <laughs> and this goes to Chameleon Mantis Og, <laughs> oh, yeah. or whatever he's called. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I think the helmet, while clearly is telling us half Chameleon, half Frank Mantis, I think it's way too oversized. Mm. Um, but what I like about it is he gets his, when he gets his helmet cracked, I like the reveal of what he looks like inside. And I also like his arm blade when that reveal happens, right? And he has that mm. that praying mantis type of blade. I mean, it's not really praying mantis type, but he has that blade come out of his arm. And it's it's pretty cool. He doesn't use it very long before Common Rider rips it off of him. But I, I thought he was pretty cool um, in terms of his utility and it, it, what was on the inside of the helmet. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, yeah, he was, um, he, he was probably a little overlooked for me at, at that point in the film. Does, he looks so goofy though. His clothes are dumb. Like, yeah. honestly, again, he's worst slash best dog. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to our final thoughts and tiered rating. Alex, I, I'll have you go first this time. I'm curious where you fall and you've watched this film twice now. Um, where do, where do you fall with Shin Kamen Rider? Mm. So, I, one thing I will say, despite all my negativity, I did actually like the film more this time around than I did previously. I think previously, I would be much more willing to talk nothing but trash about this movie. Mm. <laughs> and I think I've probably done so online a little bit in the little types of, in small little jabs or something like that. Um, and it, I think it's undoubtedly the worst of the Shin movies. Um 
including the Evangelion rebuilds, which are sometimes included. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. Know. Go ahead. I, I'm not gonna get into that, <laughs> but but um, yeah. I, there, there's a lot to dislike here, and a lot for me to complain about. But this time around, I think I warmed up a bit more to the the overall narrative um, and what what everything really meant for Hongo. I just wish the movie hadn't wasted doesn't waste its first like 40 minutes feeling like it's just having to check some boxes because it's a common writer property. Mm. Um, and I'm I, I just disappointed with the effects in a lot of areas and the fight scenes and that it, it, just, it feels like it's trying to hide a lot in these moments. But really, the acting is all really solid in here. And I think the overall story is interesting and definitely has something to say, even if like the theme that I was most attached to doesn't necessarily feel like it ever pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to give this like a, a low to high. No, sorry, a low to high. A, probably like a mid camera tier. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's some really interesting visuals and some cool things happening, especially with Wasp Og. I really liked all that stuff. Yeah. But it feels like story-wise, this thing falls on its face quite a bit. And it's just maybe a little too convenient. So, you know, I'm actually going to change it. It's going to probably be like a low gamma tier for me. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people I feel like I can recommend this movie to. Got you. Got you. What about you? Um, yeah, I, I feel a little bit different um, than you. Not holistically, but maybe just um, with how we feel at the end of the day. Like, I agree with some of your criticisms. I think it is the worst of the Shin films. I, the only, what I was going to say, Alex is I went, I, I just have a feeling like someday we're getting Shin Evangelion, uh, like live what? action. I, oh, I, that would be awesome. That I could, I don't know. Ano says he's done with the Evangelion. We'll see. But, um, <laughs> I think Shin Evangelion would be really cool. Uh, well, I think they consider his new trilogy Shin Evangelion. Is why I think he considers it. Gotcha. Yeah, I've seen them all put together. Yeah, I've I've seen that put together. Um, but uh, for me, I I see some of the things you're saying. I I don't know if anything's being hidden as much as it is just being you, like the the budget obviously is not where Ultraman or Godzilla was. But Anna was kind of like, eh, who cares, right? Like I'm gonna make a film regardless of the budget that you give me, I'm going to do it old school and we're just going to make something no matter what we have to do um, to make it work. Uh, because that's what Tokusatsu has always done, right? Yes. It's always had an absolute zero budget and made it work regardless of whatever budget that it had. <laughs> Sometimes the results were less than extraordinary, right? Um <laughs> But other times, like it just, even though the results may be less than extraordinary, it still comes across as sincere as somebody is at the helm and is passionate about this project. At least that's what my sense is from what I have seen of Common Rider or what I have seen of Ultraman. Uh, there's always that sincerity. And I, I don't think it's different here. I, I think that same essence, like the same um, approach that he is taking is the approach that many Toku creators would take when using their limited budget to create a feature film. 
And so for me, the aesthetic is all there. There's a general sense, like a general purpose to the whole film. Whereas even some of the flaws feel like, oh yeah, this is a flaw, definitely. But if you asked Anno himself, he'd be like, yeah, that's that's a that's a flaw, but it's also part of the movie, right? It's mm. it's just part of what we're doing in this movie. It's a, it's a flaw from this perspective that we're searching for perfection, but we're never going to get it. Um, it's a flaw in that sense, but it's also just a part of the movie. So I, I wouldn't really change it. Right. Uh, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. But at the same time, those flaws for me don't work as well. Like I, I don't have necessarily see it um, from that lens. And so I, I can't give this a Godzilla tier um, level. I'm not saying that this for me is an upper camera level film. Oh. Uh, because I, I think it offers something unique, um, something fresh, while bringing life to the toku genre in a way that feels respectful to it, uh, and it feels like it's honoring a tradition of sorts. So, and, and that's me saying it from someone that's not very knowledgeable and common writer, right? So take it with a grain of salt. But it feels like there's actually a lot of reverence paid to the show. Um, mm, sure. paid to the uh, essence of it to get back to my original question mm. like there's there's that respect and reverence towards the essence of the original that I think we see in Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman even if Kamen Rider doesn't quite live up uh, to those other two films mm. yeah alright alright a little surprise that's nice yeah interesting <laughs> yeah I, I honestly was a little surprised too um, yeah a little surprised uh, next week, Alex, we get back to our animated series. We've got just a couple films left in this animated series. And next week, we go to Hotel Transylvania, where I'm thinking the Dracula, Alex, will be Bacula. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't even know where the rhyme was there, but... Uh... But yeah, um, I didn't yeah, have I anything. To to so Dracula and Bacula is all I got. <laughs> now, hey, I just can't wait to go to Hotel Transylvania and get some of that Adam Sandler mania. Oh, geez, this is the Adam Sandler film. <laughs> yeah, it's the boy. start of our Adam Sandler series. When Alex told me we're doing an Adam Sandler series, I said, "Okay, I'm gonna have to take a little break from the show." So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I can't wait it. to do grown ups with you before you go. Oh gosh. <laughs> as always thank you for listening to monsters versus men you can leave us feedback on this episode at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com you become a bargain base my patreon.com forward slash nvmpod and receive weekly bonus content including special reviews interviews and host chats and if you can't join at this time a review or a share always helps monsters versus men is produced by alex Burnett. executive producers are kevin alexander faye basier john freeman michael herndon Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, which forms cell block B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't forget to always come up with a plan. And try, try to, to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. created a monster and it will destroy you.
good at planning.